Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful Adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had men and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. 
Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and I want to welcome you to the Secret Teachings radio broadcast, wherever and whenever you may be listening to this broadcast around the world on the Fringe FM and other platforms through the Fringe FM, such as TalkStream Live and the Paranormal Radio app. You can download both of those apps and the Fringe app. For free, you can also send shout-outs to the Fringe FM through the Fringe FM app and visit Fringe.fm, the network website, for more information about all the shows that the network provides. Our website, www.thesecretteachings.info, is going to be the place that you go to access all of our shows. We have a lot of free shows available in free archives. But if you miss an episode or if you'd like to listen to an episode you've already heard or you'd like to catch up on an episode you only heard a part of just subscribe to our archive that's how we support the show that's how we do this show five nights a week monday through friday when you subscribe you get access to the show archive the montages and you get digital copies of each of my books which that alone is just about worth the price you can subscribe weekly or monthly or you can subscribe for one year which is by far the best deal considering that you also get a free physical copy of one of my books as well for more information on that visit the website and subscribe it's pretty self-explanatory or email me at rdgable at yahoo.com that's rd g-a-b-l-e at yahoo.com check us out on social media facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings and check us out on patreon there is a link on our website that says patreon if you click that you can look at our patreon tiers we have three tiers available one of them is more for services but the other two are for behind the scenes content including last night's show. I put up a 30-minute video of the final segment of the show, and that is exclusive for Patreon members. I didn't think my phone would be able to record that much, but I did have enough space, and so there's a whole 30-minute video of the full show for the uh, the full, full segment, rather, of the show last night, and that is on our Patreon page for patrons of the secret teachings and you'll also see on our website a couple of links at the top of the page in the slider bar for not only my books that you can buy separate that's the main way outside of subscriptions we support the uh, the show but you can also find us plus health care products which include isopropyl alcohol and hydrogen peroxide they offer a 20 percent discount to listeners of the secret teachings with the promo code tst clean and of course 
Pro One water filters as well. You know, last month or the month of August is the uh, the month apparently of uh, water filtration or water purity month, and uh, I didn't even know that till the other day, and I kind of forgot about it. But it is the the end of that water purification month or something to that effect. Uh, you know, every day is like a holiday now. But you can find one of those water filters that fits your needs for travel, for the home, for whatever, for your shower. And uh, we get a percentage of that through the profit sharing. So I'd appreciate that. And it's a product that you really need a water filter. Appreciate you all, every single one of you who listen to the show, subscribe to the show, buy a book, support our sponsors, or whatever it might be. Even if you just send me information, I appreciate it. And I hope that for those of you, I think we're probably in... uh, we're in the 20s or 30s now. I've had at least two dozen people message me looking for those exemption examples or those template exemption examples for the workplace or for schools. And I've sent out a lot of those with uh, disclaimers that you should obviously change the template and it should match your sincerely held beliefs and that it is not a submission, it is a declaration, it is a statement. If you need one of those, again, you don't use the exact template I send you. You just adjust it to what you need. You can email me as well at rdgable at yahoo.com. And you know something that's interesting about those exemption forms is that if you even mention, I mean, you could have have a severe, life-threatening heart condition. And, uh, I mean, I did. I had a very severe heart condition. And probably without changing my my lifestyle or my diet in a completely unrelated manner, like I didn't intend to change my diet. It just kind of happened because I learned about ingredients and then I started learning about sugar and salt and fat and all these things and processed foods. And it, it, it's helped my heart over the years. But, you know, I, I used to have a really bad heart condition. And if you even suggest to people like, hey, I can't take, uh, uh, an experimental mRNA shot because one of the side effects of some of these shots is myocarditis and inflammation of the heart muscle. Uh, you know, that that could kill me. People not only have virtually no compassion, they first of all usually don't even believe that you can get an exemption because the media has wrongfully, inaccurately, and and intentionally misrepresented what the law is, including the Jacobson versus Massachusetts case in 1905, where the Supreme Court ruled that you cannot force someone to take a vaccine, even though you can enforce local statutes in, in this in the state of Massachusetts. Um, and and Jacobson, Henning Jacobson, had to pay five dollars for the fine of not taking the smallpox vaccine. But they said that you cannot force people to take the vaccine if it could damage their health, and that's been g- grossly misrepresented by the media. Um, there is no precedent otherwise to force people, especially with medical condition, especially with religious exemptions, and people just have no compassion for that whatsoever. Now, now, now certainly people do take advantage of of that, but you know the way in which religion is defined. Under the Civil Rights Act, religion essentially applies to moral principles, spiritual principles, general beliefs. In the UK, it applies, it's obviously a different law, but it applies to vegans in the UK. 
So religion doesn't have to be Christianity, you know, Muslim, you know, you don't have to be a Muslim or a Jew, um, doesn't apply to Islam or Judaism, you know, and, and, and look, the, tonight's show's not about that, but I, I just, the idea that there's just no compassion, like I have a serious heart condition, you know, I, Sometimes I, I have trouble catching my breath, and it's gotten better over the years, but I can't wear something over my face all the time. I, I'm not taking a shot where the side effect is inflammation of the heart muscle, you know, where you know my heart's ability to pump blood is reduced. I already, I already have an issue with that. I already have low, you know, I, or I used to have even worse, but now I have, you know, probably a lower um, hypotension, like very low blood pressure. So... And it's not that I have like a serious medical condition. I'm going to die any day. Um, I'm a, I'm a much healthier person today than I was yesterday. But there's no compassion for that. Nobody cares if I have a heart condition. Nobody cares if you have allergies. You could have a doctor's note that says, "Do not take this shot. Do not take this drug." And people just don't care. They don't care. And furthermore, not only do they not care. Consider the fact that a lot of people actually will claim that because you have a condition, because you are refusing or rejecting, they are potentially now victims of your decision or of your inability to not receive a shot. Can you believe that? I don't know. I'm experiencing that. People not only have no compassion for medical conditions, no compassion for religious observations, beliefs, and practices, but they believe that they are then the victim of you having a medical condition or a religious exemption. They're the victim because you could still make them sick. This whole idea that everybody is a victim Everybody is is oppressed, except, of course, for some groups. Everybody is a victim of some other group. And there's a hierarchy, a totem pole. Maybe that's cultural appropriation. I can't say totem pole. But, you know, there's a, there's a hierarchy of what people classify as oppression. There are those who are oppressed, and there, there are those who, of course, do the oppressing. And when you teach people... Young kids at a very, very impressionable and absorbable age that because of the color of their skin, they are inherently an oppressor and they must repent for their genetic sin. Or you teach kids because of the color of their skin, they are inherently oppressed and they are owed reparations due to their genetics. There's a story out of Atlanta from earlier in the month of August. I never talked about it, but it's been happening around the country more and more. An Atlanta mom filed a complaint alleging that her daughter's grade school segregated black students. The woman, Keela Posey, 43 years old, and it shouldn't matter her skin color, but NBC News said, quote, who is black, said she learned last year that Principal Sharon Briscoe of Maryland Elementary School was separating the school's 12 black students in the second grade from their classmates. The topic came up last spring, Posey said, 
when she was talking with Briscoe, who is also black, about teachers who would be a good fit for her daughter. Posey said in an interview that she asked Briscoe about placing her daughter with a certain teacher and that Briscoe told her, quote, that's not a black class. So Keila Posey said, as a black parent, what I'm hearing is my kid doesn't have the option of six teachers that may work with their learning style. I only get two teachers. Why? Well, because she's black. Her child is black. This is happening all across the United States. People are being segregated. And I don't even want to say children. They're people. They're, they're, they're human beings. Human beings at a young, impressionable age are being segregated into classes based on their skin color. And it doesn't matter if those that are doing the segregation are white or black or some other color. Teaching one class that they are inherently oppressed, they deserve reparations, and if they follow the leader that promises to redeem them, to save them, that all will be well. Obviously, the exploitation that ensues from such an ideology is historically horrific. The other class you teach, you are inherently an oppressor. And if you would like to repent for your sins, follow the leader. Both leaders, of course, take you into conflict. Both leaders take you into a form of mental degeneration. I'm worthless. I am owed things. Or I'm worthless. I owe other people things. This breaks apart, rips apart, tears apart the social fabric. But victimhood is not just a fun word that's thrown around in political discussions nowadays. Victimhood is an actual personality construct. According to research published, the name of the published study, The Tendency for Interpersonal Victimhood, the Personality Construct and Its Consequences, researchers identified what they call tendency for interpersonal victimhood, an ongoing feeling that the self is a victim, which is generalized across many kinds of relationships. The traits that are associated in the initial studies of TIV found people who identified as victims shared moral elitism, a lack of empathy, a need for recognition, and rumination. Those people who identified as victims for any reason across many kinds of relationships shared those four things in common. Moral elitism, they wanted the moral authority, yet they also claimed victimhood. In other words, they wanted the power to direct social interaction and to direct resources And yet, they also claimed they were a victim of that same social order and a victim who had no access to those resources. This is also part of a large study published by the University of British Columbia signaling virtuous uh, virtuous victimhood as indications of the dark triad of personalities. People who shared in these traits were considered narcissistic, psychopathic, and Machiavellian. 
And we're going to talk about all of this tonight and what it means right here on the Secret Teachings radio broadcast. I'm Ryan Gable, rdgable at yahoo.com, thesecretteachings.info. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is The Secret Teachings Radio on The Fringe FM. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hear more while supporting the show, visit the website, thesecretteachings.info, and subscribe to our show archive. As a yearly subscriber, you can download and stream every show after it airs and get access to the digital versions of each one of Ryan's books. The show offers weekly and monthly subscriptions, or for $50 a year, get access to the archive, montages, and digital books at a discounted price. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the donate button at the top of the page. Your subscription supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and you. Alex Exum. My name is Alex Exum, and you're listening to The Fringe FM. Hey there, I'm Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings, and like my show, I like to associate with people and companies who are passionate about taking steps to a healthier life. Pro One Water Filters brings you simple-to-use systems for the home, business, and even the shower. They filter fluoride, heavy metals, and more, and their shower heads stop chlorine from being vaporized and inhaled. I've personally used their systems now for five years, and they're worth every penny sincerely. Our other affiliate, US Plus Health, is a small American company specializing in hydrogen peroxide solutions, isopropyl alcohol, and hand sanitizers with no additional ingredients like ethanol, chloride, or methanol. They use 100% U.S. materials at an FDA-registered facility. Their simple, non-toxic formulations are both safe and gentle. They evaporate quickly and leave no residue or stickiness. They're even recommended by the CDC, FDA, and WHO as opposed to other toxic chemicals like QACs. Find links to these affiliates, Pro One Water Filters, and U.S. Plus Health on our website, www.thesecretteachings.info for links, or visit usplushealth.com and type in the promo code TSTCLEAN. Do you want to know more about this strange and weird reality we live in? Join me, Jess Rogie, the host of The Rogie Report, where we explore the unrevealed. Every Wednesday night, live at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, here on The Fringe FM, KTLK Digital Broadcasting. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. The truth is out there. And so are we. KTLK. Digital Broadcasting. The Fringe FM. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. Hey there, I'm Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings, and I want to share something astounding with you. It's no mistake that Delta equals four numerically, and that with its three sides equals seven, the number of revelations that heralds the apocalypse to build a new kingdom on the ashes of the old. The new kingdom is not firstly God's, though, but a false prophet who will be crowned, the Corona. His kingdom is seven years long, but it's cut in half. Delta means change and authority and conveys a deep meaning in holding the eye of God and his infallible name Yahweh, the Tetragrammaton. It's no mistake C 
CG images of SARS-CoV-2 have little triangles or that delta waves place people into a diseased, unstable state of mind. It's no mistake the biggest global conspiracy is one of depopulation, that its logo is supposedly a triangle, and that delta extracted from the Norse Volknut means fertility. These are the patterns that we see in the observations that we make on the Secret Teachings Radio, five nights a week broadcasting on The Fringe FM. For more information, check out thesecretteachings.info or email us rdgable at yahoo.com. We like things simple, so a simple explanation is a good explanation unless it's too simple, but distinguishing between simple and too simple is no easy matter. We like to know who's our friend and who's our enemy, and we like the feeling of unearned moral superiority. I mean, there's deeper and darker things that are underneath that. It's like the the human proclivity to pull down those who have more than you. It's like these kids on the campuses who are claiming identity with the oppressed, or somewhere like Yale. It's like, how in the world you can speak of oppression if you happen to be at Yale is beyond me. I mean, first of all, you're North American, which puts you in the top 1%. And then of North Americans, you're in the top 1%. So you're in the top 1% of 1%. But yet you, you want that. You want to have all the power that goes along with that. And you want to have the moral superiority that comes from being a, a representative of the oppressed. So that's exactly what you want. You want all the power and you want all the victimization at the same time. The enhancement of a sense of victimization on the part of one of the groups, usually the group that's going to commit the genocide, first of all, their sense of being victims is much heightened by the demagogues who are trying to stir up this sort of hatred. So they basically say, look, you've been oppressed in a variety of ways, and these are the people who did it, and they're not going to stop doing it, and this time we're going to get them before they get us. And you can't divide the world neatly into perpetrators and victims, and you certainly can't divide the world neatly into perpetrators and victims, and then assume that you're only in the victim class, and then assume that that gives you certain forms of redress, let's say. It gets dangerous very rapidly if you do that sort of thing. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are tuned into the Secret Teachings Radio, broadcasting around the world. On the Fringe FM app, TalkStream Live, and the Paranormal Radio app, our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. I was thinking about the lack of compassion and, and the rapid decline in our social cohesion, our social fabric of things like compassion for other human beings. But I was also thinking, how is it that we can lack so much compassion and yet still have this innate desire to help other people. I think on the surface, consciously, we lack compassion. Because I think the conscious mind has been overridden through an overt form of propaganda and an obsessive, overwhelming form of things and ideas that are desensitizing, but in the subconscious and in the unconscious, we still have this distinct and instinctual desire to help people, to alleviate the pain of other people. And and this is really at the core of most of the world's moral systems. We want to help other people. This also benefits us because it makes society, it makes our culture, our community, a more safer and a more equitable environment to live in. We do things for other people because we sincerely want to help, but that also helps us. It makes our world a better place. But somehow we can have 
that instinctual desire, that, that, that in, innate desire to help other people, and yet still lack the compassion that should parallel it. I don't know, I've been thinking about this because I've had a heart condition most of my life, and I don't exactly know what it is. I've had, you know, uh, I guess impromptu and uh, unofficial diagnosis that it's some form of tachycardia, it's a palpitation. All I know is that through plant foods, it's gotten better over the last 10 years to the point where I barely notice it anymore. And, And I'm quite sure it's because of the lifestyle change in the diet. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I eat a lot of plants, I do a lot of exercise, I read a lot, I keep my mind sharp, try to reduce stress. I'm pretty sure that's the main reason. But to suggest to somebody that, you know, I can't take a shot where the side effect, one of many, is myocarditis, inflammation of the heart muscle, that can reduce your heart's ability to pump, and it can cause, you know, rapid uh, a heart beating, and it can cause chest pain, and, and, and eventually you could have a heart attack. Or, or, you know, a, a shot that causes blood clots. You know, to suggest to somebody, I can't take that for medical reasons. I, I find that it's, it's rare that you find a neutral party who can either accept your medical issue or not really have an opinion on it. Uh, the people that I run into and what I see on the news and what I see on social media is... You're a you're a bigot. You you're you're you you hate other people. You want other people to be sick. You don't care about the immunocompromised. And it's like, wait a minute. I have a serious medical condition. I am unable to take this shot, and I'm unwilling, and I do not consent for a a, a, a number of countless reasons. But I, but I have physical physical issues as well as moral, philosophical, religious, and, and legal issues. But, but the point is, the lack of compassion for mine or for your medical condition, or the lack of compassion for my spiritual condition or your spiritual condition, it, it, it is somehow not only acceptable, but it's encouraged on media, in social media, in, in political discussions. In, in, in proverbial water cooler discussions. It, it doesn't matter what your reasoning is. It, it, it could be as outlandish as if I get a shot, 5G is going to you know activate my, my body and turn me into a robot. It, well, you have a right to believe that. That might not be a legitimate reason to argue in the minds of most people. But, you know, in the minds of those same people, saying that you have a serious heart condition and documenting it that you have trouble breathing sometimes and documenting it also doesn't matter to those people who, who demand to know your medical conditions, who demand to know your deepest, most sincerely held religious spiritual beliefs. It's none of your business. That's private information. But the lack of compassion is somehow mixed with this ideology, and, and they absolutely, certainly go hand in hand, this ideology that you are in a, a position of moral superiority because you are demanding and issuing dictates and using ad hominem arguments and appeals to authority or the appeal to science argument issued as, a, as an 
optional statement as an argument by clinicaltrials.gov and Yale University to use against people who have questions on shots issued last June, July 2020, appealing to science. You use these arguments that are not logical. They are fallacies. They are not reasonable arguments. They are not, they are not uh, based on any kind of, of, of scientific grounds. They are simply arguments that are based on a, a bias that comes out of an echo chamber from talking points that are concocted, constructed, and cultivated, and then distributed to you with a certain viewpoint, and then you just parrot them, you regurgitate them, you vomit them up. That means you're not thinking for yourself. Thinking for yourself means that there are going to be countless, however many people there are, there are going to be that many viewpoints, that many opinions. If people are thinking for themselves, you will have a, a, a multitude of different viewpoints, not a singular viewpoint. So to keep things really simple, it goes like this. We, we seem to lack compassion for people that might have medical or religious reasonings. Yet, at the same time we lack compassion, the people that lack compassion tend to have this overzealous attitude that it's their duty, that it's their responsibility to protect the immunocompromised or to protect the children, while dismissing that you also are a human being who may die, who may be injured, who may suffer serious consequence, financial, you know, economic, physical, mental, uh, of doing what people are demanding you do, attempting to coerce you to do, encouraging you to appeal to authority, to appeal to science, and calling you names, the ad hominem attacks, to get you to do something, regardless of what your viewpoint is. They have so much compassion for other people, but not for you, because you're not doing what they demand that you do and not only do they not have compassion and yet maintain some sense of moral superiority for themselves because they're standing up for the children they're standing up for the immunocompromised it doesn't matter if you have a medical condition you're not immunocompromised and perhaps even if you are some people would still argue against that and even have have no compassion for those people but while you have no compassion and somehow some sense of moral superiority that goes along with believing that you are a representative of, of, of the children or of the immunocompromised or of the oppressed in this case. You also maintain this sense of victimhood. Uh, victimhood that because you are doing what you are told to do and you are morally superior to me because you've done what you've been told to do. You stand up for the children and the immunocompromised. You're also a victim because I, because of my decisions or because of my medical condition or because of my religious spiritual viewpoints, observances, practices, and beliefs, could make you sick. Do you see how initially convoluted this is? And then once you think about it for a moment, you realize, oh, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. That's because the people that hold these contradictory views, that have no compassion for certain people, specific forms of compassion for a particular group to obtain and to hold and to retain moral superiority, yet then also claim victimhood because you're not doing what they tell you to do or what they think you should do. They believe that could harm them. This is a mental illness. And this is not my opinion. This is now 
a clinical diagnosis that could be given in a proper psychological setting. Now, I will tell you, you know, I, I, I would say I am probably one of the, the, the biggest, I don't know if I want to use the word skeptics, but one of the biggest detractors from the field of psychology. I, I don't like the field of psychology. I, I don't like, you know, I don't like the idea that people can get into the mind. So I study psychology so that I can build a defense against it. It's kind of like the movie Inception. Um, there are clinical psychologists, however, who are very, very good at what they do, and they, they legitimately help people. At least that's what psychology should be about, helping people. But more often than not, psychology, it seems, tends to be geared towards manipulating people and getting them to do what you want them to do. Especially on the subject of transgenders and affirmative therapy where children, in some cases, in other cases, teenagers or young adults who might be a little bit confused about life are immediately encouraged to undergo hormonal suppression courses of drugs or they are in, immediately put into line for surgery. And, and you can't ask if they need you know, perhaps some guidance, you just have to encourage them now in Canada, it's against the law not to, encourage them to take that route. And if you and if you say anything to the contrary, then you are not only breaking the law, but you are actively suppressing their transgenderism. I just sort of read a whole book on this called Irreversible Damage. Uh, by a freelance journalist named Abigail, and uh, thought it was a pretty good book. And uh, you know, in the book, she documents the statistics of 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 these these groups and the people that identify as certain things. And you you kind of recognize when you look at the data that it's it's mostly an encourageable decision, especially through psychology, through psychologists. So I'm I'm a I'm a I'm not an op- opponent of psychology. I just I know, I know psychology can be used as a very dangerous weapon. And in fact, psychology, not because of psychologists per se, but psychology is a weapon that is wielded by the moral or the people that hold the, the, the apparent um, holding of a, of a moral high ground. They're, they're using psychology, whether they know it or not, to influence you and to coerce you. And yet, at the same time, they're claiming that, whether directly or indirectly, they're also victims. And and, and this is, again, clinical. Researchers back in 2020 have identified a new personality construct that describes the tendency to see oneself as a victim. The researchers call it the Tendency for Interpersonal Victimhood, or TIV, which they define as, quote, an ongoing feeling that the self is a victim, which is generalized across many kinds of relationships. The way in which they define this victimhood is broken into four categories. Moral elitism, a lack of empathy, need for recognition, and rumination. 
Rumination is a deep or considered thought about something. They've gone through many studies on the subject, and they found that most of the people with TIV, or it's not like a disease or something you catch, and it's not something that you're necessarily born into this category. It's a classification of of behavior. And the people that display these characteristics, the lack of empathy, the rumination, the need for recognition, the moral elitism, the tendency of interpersonal victimhood, are more likely to desire revenge against a person who wronged them, even if it doesn't benefit themselves. In study number four, this desire for revenge also translated into behavior Those high in TIV were more likely to remove money from their opponent when given the chance, despite being told that this decision wouldn't increase their own winnings. The researchers suggest that TIV as a construct offers a framework for understanding how a person's interpretation of social transgressions can inform feelings of victimhood and lead to revenge behaviors. These insights could inform therapeutic practices for treating such cognitive biases. The tendency for interpersonal victimhood The Personality Construct and Its Consequences was authored by Rahav Gabay, Boaz Hamari, Tammy Rubel Lifshitz, and Ari Nadler. If you'd like to look that particular study up, The Tendency for Interpersonal Victimhood, The Personality Construct and Its Consequences. Now, I don't claim I'm a victim, but I've been the victim of this type of behavior. And I don't want to go into the details of uh, at least three different stories, but in three different cases at two different places of employment outside of radio, I've had people, for one reason or another, claim that I've done something that I have not done. In all three of these cases, there were witnesses, or it was on video, that the person making these statements was lying, and their attempt to get me fired resulted in them quitting that job. Now, I think the reason for that is because they knew that they were in the wrong. They were probably embarrassed, and they were expecting me, like any predator, like any person who is preying on another person, they expect me to back down. They expect me to be fired. They expect me to quit. They expect me to run away because I'm accused of something. I mean, I just liken it to, to you know, I'm, I'm like you're, you have, you have your family inside, everybody goes to bed and uh, there's been some break-ins in the neighborhood. So, you decide you're going to get your shotgun and you're going to go sit by the door because most of these these uh, these people are coming to the door. They're kicking in the front door. They're they're robbing your house and uh, they're leaving. So in this in this example, you got your shotgun. You're sitting by your front door, and when the criminal comes up to the front door and you know they're about to kick the front door down and you with the shotgun, and they say, "Hey." Look at the color of my skin. If you don't let me in your house, you're a racist. And I'm supposed to say, oh, my God, I am so sorry. And you give them the shotgun 
you open the door, you tell them where the money is, and if they want to rape your wife and your daughters, you tell them, you know, which floorboards not to step on going up the stairs so it doesn't creak, and you let them let them do what they want to do because you don't want to be called a racist. You back down immediately. Or maybe the person says, I'm transgender. Well, right this way, sir, ma'am. Right this way, they. Let me show you where the safe is. See, that's what's happening in social interactions every day. I don't want to be a big shot, and I don't even do anything in, in, in the situations where I've experienced this. All I've done is I've relied on the truth. I've relied on the witnesses. I've relied on the video footage. And what happens is the other person quits in a fury. This has happened two different times recently and and, and a third time over the last couple of years at two places of employment. I've been accused of something. It was documented I didn't do it. My managers didn't even think I did it. And then the people quit as a result. But they were trying to get me fired, claiming I was a misogynist. I was a white supremacist. I was a racist. I was a bigot. I was glorifying Hitler. All, I mean, all these charges have been levied against me. And in every case, I could have said, well, no, I'm, I'm not that. Let, let me try to prove to you that I'm not that. I, I'm so sorry I offended you. Let, let me quit. Let me just quit. You, you, you stay employed. No, I didn't back down. What I did was... And they said, hey, but the color of my skin, look look at my voting ID. It says it has a D on it. Look, look, I'm transgender. Some days I identify as something different. Can I please come in and take all of your money? Do you think I open the door? Do you think I just give them the gun? Do you think I just stand back and let them come in? Do you think I encourage and assist in the burglary, in the rape, in the potential murder? In, in, in whatever it is? No. And you don't even have to be defensive about it. You just have to know, well, I didn't actually do that. I didn't actually say that. Here's the video. Here's the witness. Or if you don't have that, I sincerely did not do that, do such a thing. And, 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 and then the other person, when you don't back down, they run. I mean, that's what Antifa does, isn't it? How, how many videos have you seen when Antifa attacks people Until someone fights back, they just keep doing it. And as soon as someone throws a right hook, the whole crowd of Antifa disperses like cockroaches when you turn the light on or or like like ants. When you go to step, you know, when there's like a big anthill, you step on the ants and they just disperse because they have the mind of an insect. It's a hive mind collectivized ideology. They don't know how to think as an individual unless you can extract them from that ideological cult and talk to the person as an individual, it's very difficult to break through and find the the, the soul that's in that body because that soul has been pushed aside and it has been hijacked by this collectivized thought process. So according to researchers... According to psychological assessments, there's a new personality construct which was identified last year in 2020. It's identified as Tendency for Interpersonal Victimhood, TIV, in a study by the same name with the subtitle, The Personality Construct and Its Consequences. It includes four distinct characteristics, rumination, a deep or considered thought about something, 
moral elitism, a lack of empathy, and a need for recognition. Now, this classification system explains why someone can have no compassion for you, no compassion for others who agree with you, if you don't do what they think you should do, if you don't act the way they think you should act, if you don't say the things they think you should say, how they can have no compassion for you, claim moral superiority, moral elitism, because they say they represent children or immunocompromised people, even if you can't do what they want you to do, for reasons including you could die because you already have a heart condition, they lack empathy for you, they have no compassion for you, they somehow believe that they have moral superiority because they represent other classes of people like children or the immunocompromised. And my question earlier was how can they have no compassion for you, hold moral superiority, and then claim that they are a victim of your decisions and actions? And if they're claiming they're a victim, they are desiring a social response. The social response they are desiring is recognition. I think I've explained that quite well. In other words, the four considerations, the four traits for this TIV, as psychologists identified as a new personality, an ongoing feeling that the self is a victim, something you ruminate on. It's generalized across many kinds of relationships. You believe that you are morally superior because you represent someone with a darker color of skin, someone with different genitalia, someone who is younger and under legal age, someone who has an immunocompromised system, as they call it, yet you lack empathy for other people who don't agree with you, other people who won't do something that's harmful to them to virtue signal that they care about people that are legally underage or people that might have an immunocompromised system as it's defined. Or, in other cases, people that have darker skin or different genitalia. Because you don't virtue signal, because you don't say the things that you're supposed to say or do the things you're supposed to do, nobody has any compassion for you. No, no, nobody empathizes with you. The morally elite, the morally superior as they see themselves, lack empathy for you and only retain moral superiority for others in order to lord over them so that they have moral superiority over those people because they need to virtue signal in order to obtain the recognition that they are a good person that they are doing something right. And this is where victimhood and virtue signaling connect. Virtue signaling and victimhood go together, and they lead to what some call a form of social resource extraction. One form of social resource extraction is 
no matter what the color of your skin might be, and no matter what the situation might be, you know, a hurricane or uh, a flood, some type of natural disaster, or using history as, as an example, a history of, of slavery, to claim that you are a good person because you collect money for the disadvantaged. And, and what you find, hell, look at the Red Cross and the amount of money that the Red Cross took for various um, different things throughout the last two decades, from Katrina to a uh, major earthquake down in Haiti, and, and, and they just used a, a tiny fraction of the money, and the rest of it just vanished and disappeared. It's the same thing with the Clinton Foundation, or any foundation. Most of the time, the money doesn't go anywhere into the, in, uh, except into the pocketbooks of the people that run the foundation. I'm not saying all foundations, all charities are, are, are a fraud. They're not. Some are really, really dedicated to helping people. But clearly people that believe they're morally superior, uh, superior, that lack empathy, that need to be recognized, they're going to virtue signal for recognition that they're doing something good for black people. They're doing something good for trans people. They're doing something good for the children. And since they have no empathy whatsoever, they're actually taking advantage of the color of somebody's skin. Or, or the legal age of a human being. While claiming that they are moral, that they are in the right, and that anybody who disagrees or calls them out for their behavior not only is wrong, but is oppressing them and making them a victim, which makes them, as a victim, capable of receiving social recognition for the good things they've done and as a result of doing good things, the victimhood that they've now acquired because they are oppressed. This is, for all intents and purposes, a mental disturbance. University of British Columbia and the American Psychological Association published this in 2020, signaling virtuous victimhood as indicators of dark triad personalities, including Machiavellianism, narcissism, and psychopathy. The dictionary defines a victim as one who suffers some injury, hardship, or loss, is badly treated, or taken advantage of. What might explain why people would be willing to publicly claim victimhood and seek to be labeled by others as a victim? Notwithstanding these benefits, we propose that claiming a victim status, an act we refer to as victim signaling, also allows victims to pursue an environmental resource extraction strategy that helps them survive, flourish, and achieve their goals. Whatever those goals might be, they might be personal, they might be more collective in society. Claiming victim status elevates the claimant's psychological standing, defined as a subjective sense of legitimacy or entitlement to speak up. The researchers hypothesize that people willing and able to use deception and manipulation for attaining personal goals, people possessing dark triad traits, will more frequently emit virtuous victim signals compared with people lacking dark triad traits. We're going to look at more of that in the second hour, but that research report, that study or series of studies, that publication from the American Psychological Association shows that when you merge victimhood, uh, perpetual victimhood with virtue signaling, you preserve moral superiority, you preserve 
a form of, through virtue signaling, social recognition, and you display your lack of empathy by focusing inwardly only on yourself, ruminating on what makes you a victim of other people while using other people to obtain that victimhood and maintain a sense of moral superiority. It's a mental illness. It's disturbing. It's important to address this because it seems every time you turn on the news, every time you look at social media, every political discussion that's had, every just general discussion that's had, virtue signaling, victimhood, these are things that come up every single day. And there are a myriad of definitions of what these words mean. But it's so quantifiable now that we can put it into clinical terminology. I know a lot of people don't like this word, but outside of clinical terminology, historical terminology would call it classism, social warfare, Marxism. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this. Don't go anywhere. Unless you go to thesecretteachings.info, subscribe to the show, get access to all the show's montages, my books, and a physical copy if you subscribe for one year of one of my books. There's more after this. Stay with us. Lighting the void with the secret teachings of all ages. It's KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a practical, balanced, and unique look at the food industry, vaccinations, the theories of disease, and geoengineering, grab a copy of Food Philosophy. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. All three books can be purchased on the website at thesecretteachings.info, where you can read reviews from other authors and radio hosts around the world. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. Hey there, I'm Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings, and I want to share something very interesting with you. It's no mistake that the CDC began recommending masks in April of 2020 and that people immediately had trouble adapting or breathing just a few weeks before George Floyd died in Minneapolis. After his death, people began chanting, I can't breathe on May 26th. It's no mistake that in June, this man with black skin who had been turned into a god was placed into a golden coffin, a real-life reenactment of the killing of Osiris in Egyptian myth. It's no coincidence the same month that this took place in the Twin Cities, a Twin Summit was taking place with the World Economic Forum, the implications of which we look at on The Secret Teachings. And these are the patterns and observations that we make on the show five nights a week, broadcasting on The Fringe FM. For more information, check out thesecretteachings.info or email us at rdgable at yahoo.com.
Thinking about creating a podcast but don't know where to start? Do you really want to have to learn all this stuff? Individual track processing, enhanced and improved sound quality, edit others, offer processing slips, mix multiple clips and tracks, back volume, deliver consistent sound, live podcast production, show notes and SEO optimization, episode upload to hosting, live call screening, balance levels and the major broadcast standards, full branding packages, logo design, podcast site, website, show artwork. Or do you just want to get on the mic and get your ideas out there? The Fringe FM team is here to help with all of your podcasting, audio and video production needs. From simple podcast audio enhancement, our professional production staff will make it easier than ever to create the podcast you desire. Visit thefringe.fm, join our team, and get jump started on your podcast today. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. What are you doing on Wednesdays? I want to invite you to join me, Jess Rogie, the host of The Rogie Report, where I provide commentary and invite guests on to talk about UAPs, conspiracies, current events, nature of reality, consciousness, and of course, the paranormal. Listen to The Rogie Report every Wednesday live at 6 p.m. Pacific. 9 p.m. Eastern here on the Fringe FM, KTLK Digital Broadcasting. For a lot longer than most podcasts have been around, The Secret Teachings has been at the forefront of unique investigation into both the mundane and the extraordinary. Critical thought and controlled speculation allowed us to determine that the much-anticipated UAP report would be vague, unexplained, and would simply imply the need for defense against national security threats. We determined that sonic weapons were the cause of Havana Syndrome a full year before CNN acknowledged the same. We told you about the mind-controlled magic, sex slavery, and intellectual theft in the music industry long before Britney Spears spoke out about her conservatorship, and we've been removed from radio for refusing to censor our show over international child trafficking networks and sex cults long before Epstein didn't kill himself. This has been done with no budget, only your support, and a will to learn and succeed. And you can continue to be a part of the Secret Teachings journey as we broadcast Monday through Friday after lighting the void with Joe Roop, right here on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. TLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM, brings you exclusively The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. We like things simple, so a simple explanation is a good explanation unless it's too simple, but distinguishing between simple and too simple is no easy matter. We like to know who's our friend and who's our enemy, and we like the feeling of unearned moral superiority. I mean, there's deeper and darker things that are underneath that. It's like the, the human proclivity to pull down those who have more than you. It's like these kids on the campuses who are claiming identity with the oppressed, or somewhere like Yale. It's like, how in the world you can speak of oppression if you happen to be at Yale is beyond me. I mean, first of all, you're North American, which puts you in the top 1%. And then of North Americans, you're in the top 1%. So you're in the top 1% of 1%. But yet you you want that. You want to have all the power that goes along with that. And you want to have the moral superiority that comes from being a, a representative of the oppressed. So that's exactly what you want. You want all the power and you want all the victimization at the same time. The enhancement of a sense of victimization on the part of one of the groups, usually the group that's going to commit the genocide, first of all, their sense of being victims is much heightened by the demagogues who are trying to stir up this sort of hatred. So they basically say, look, you've been oppressed in a variety of ways, and these are the people who did it, and they're not going to stop doing it, and this time we're going to get them before they get us. 
And you can't divide the world neatly into perpetrators and victims. And you certainly can't divide the world neatly into perpetrators and victims and then assume that you're only in the victim class and then assume that that gives you certain forms of redress, let's say. It gets dangerous very rapidly if you do that sort of thing. You are listening to The Secret Teachings, hour number two. I'm Ryan Gable, your host. Thank you for joining us this evening. rdgable at yahoo.com is the email, the website, www.thesecretteachings.info. For those of you who are curious, that is a montage of Jordan Peterson speaking on the subject of moral superiority, and it was a perfect series of sound bites that I put together with some of the music that we play on this show by White Bat Audio. And we also play Secession Studios, but that was White Bat Audio, a newer song from their YouTube page, which is copyright-free. You can check them out. It was a perfect montage of Jordan Peterson speaking on the subject of moral superiority because when you think about moral superiority, when you think about victimhood, I mean, these are things that I think it's pretty obvious without having a professional like Jordan Peterson explain it or without having a radio host like myself explain it. If somebody is claiming that they are a victim perpetually, you start to notice that victim or not, by any classification, any definition, any association, any implication, they are using that label to signal that they desire some form of recognition that will give them a moral high ground in controlling other people. And as Jordan Peterson said in that montage, what most of these people want, what most of them desire, even if it's, I'll suggest, unconscious, even if it's based on an ideological frame, they want the moral superiority and through that moral superiority of being a victim, they want power then to control the minds and the actions of other people. In other words, as they claim moral superiority, being held by a desire to be recognized through virtue signaling that you're a good person, you get a pat on the head, which is done through the lack of empathy they have for those that they make the victims, i.e., through lack of empathy of using and abusing other people in order to obtain a certain end, a a form of social, environmental resource extraction, both financial resources, perhaps in the form of reparations, or social resources of being patted on the head, of being given that nod of approval, of being put into a category of a morally superior class. Now, this isn't just the rantings of a radio host. This isn't just Jordan Peterson, a well-respected, highly intelligent, professional psychologist speaking. This is something that I imagine, I assume, that most of you have been able to recognize. In fact, I know people that they've been around this kind of collectivized, hive mind, ideologically zealous behavior, and they recognize the hypocrisy. 
They recognize the cognitive dissonance. They recognize that you cannot be both an oppressor and the oppressed at the same time. But then again, you really can't identify and classify oppressors and the oppressed into two black and white groups that are strictly defined among societal lines so that no matter who you are, where you're from, what you look like, what your beliefs are, what you've been a victim to and what you perhaps have done to make other people a victim of your behavior, that you are either always a victim or that you are always an oppressor. You cannot divide things along such a simplistic line of thought. But since humans typically desire things that are quantified, even perceptually, even if that quantification is very and, and, and um, strictly subjective, they want that classification because it's easier to understand, because it's easier to digest, because you don't have to do a lot of thinking. Because you don't have to do a lot of thinking to obtain a sense of purpose, to obtain a sense of superiority in the mental, moral, ethical, and virtuous form. And so you have people... They're human beings just like you and I. I do not believe that all of them are suffering from a collective delusion. I feel that some people certainly are are more reasonable in their assessment of what what is considered, considered victimhood. But every single human being on planet Earth whether you live in the slums of India, the slums of Detroit, or you live in a palace in India, or a palace in Los Angeles, everyone has been the victim of something in their life. You've been the victim of a natural disaster. You've been the victim of some form of direct or indirect discrimination. Perhaps completely and absolutely unintentional and not even subconscious, perceived discrimination. People have been the victim of harassment, but how do you even quantify discrimination and harassment? You know, I've, uh, I've listened to interviews and I've listened to on the street, uh, on the street, like interviews. I've listened to psychologists. I've read books. I've talked to, um, to women that have more conservative values. From what I understand, you know, traditionally speaking, and, 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 and esoterically speaking, women and men are different energetically. Men are assertive. Women are passive. Hence, let's not be children, the penis, and the vagina. Men are more frugal in their sexual pursuits. Not always. Women are are less frugal in their sexual pursuits. There's more of a direct consequence for a woman's actions. Not that a man should not be held to the same consequence, but there's, a, there's less of a, of, a, of a direct consequence for a man's actions. And from what I understand, uh, psychologically speaking, uh, most women that share conservative values wish for a man to pursue them. But in our culture, if you dare to suggest that a woman is beautiful and you may not even be interested in pursuing her. Perhaps you're providing 
a comment, a, a, a courtesy. Perhaps you're simply providing a compliment to make this person smile. It has nothing to do with sexuality. That can be perceived as sexual harassment. And you know, the same goes for men. But it's not as it's not as considerable in our culture. If a man is the actual victim of discrimination, harassment, sexual harassment, or the like, men are considered to be tougher. Men are considered to be in a position where they're unable to really be a victim. For a lot of reasons. One, people assume, well, men, they're tougher, they're stronger. So they can't really be a victim in the same way that a woman can be a victim. Which is a really incredible assertion. It's a really incredible implication because it suggests, and those that make this suggestion quite often, believe that, you know, everybody's equal and You know, women should have the same rights as men. And if that's the case, how can you suggest that a man should be able to tolerate discrimination, harassment, sexual harassment, and the like, because he's stronger mentally and physically, because he deserves it? Not only is that in and of itself discrimination, but it's also contradictory to your ideological, zealous belief. Why? Because you can't believe that women can do the same things as men and then suggest that all men are generally stronger mentally, spiritually, physically, perhaps, emotionally, and can deal with harassment or discrimination in the same way. You're suggesting that women don't have the ability or the capacity to do such a thing mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. So, as with anything else here on The Secret Teachings... I may provide an example, but tonight's show is not about the difference between men and women in terms of harassment and discrimination. But if we apply that to the color of one's skin, how can anybody suggest that because of the color of your skin, you are guilty of some genetic or historical crime? How can anybody logically, reasonably, rationally assert that? There's a historical name for that. It's called Marxism. No matter how many times I say it and how many times some people don't like that word and they think it makes the show political or or it makes the show, you know, very worldly and material and it's not so paranormal anymore. It's called Marxism. And it is very parabnormal because within the Marxist ideology. There can be no God. There can only be the state, and there can be an elite group of people that control the rest of humanity and lead them in the direction that they desire fit through perpetual class warfare. In the Soviet Union, Communist China, it was class warfare. In Western civilization today, it's not as much class warfare as it is racial warfare. But it provides for the same Conclusion, perpetual, intellectual, or the lack thereof civil conflict, and perhaps physical civil conflict, and the deterioration of the social order and social construct and social contract. It's a means by which to destroy society intellectually, subconsciously, and psychologically. And some people know exactly what they're doing. Other people are the victims of 
And some people that are the victims of this ideology don't know they're the victims. They believe that that victimhood gives them the moral superiority to oppress others in the name of creating equality. Researchers have found that there is a new personality construct, the tendency for interpersonal victimhood. An ongoing feeling that the self is a victim, the rumination on these feelings, generalized across many kinds of relationships. Recognized by a stable set of traits, such as moral elitism, a need for recognition, and a lack of empathy. The University of British Columbia and the American Psychological Association, the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, Personality Processes and Individual Differences, these are the three sources, it's part of the APA, published from the University of British Columbia. The title of the study, Signaling Virtuous Victimhood as Indicators of Dark Triad Personalities, says, The cry that one is a victim of injustice, oppression, intolerance, of any of the myriad reasons why people believe they are prevented from getting what they want in life has echoed loudly through the ages. It remains so today. Accounts describing a person's experience of being victimized by individuals, groups, organizations, or society appears in newspapers, on the Internet, and in everyday conversations. The dictionary defines a victim as one who suffers some injury, hardship, or loss, is badly treated or taken advantage of. What might explain why people would be willing to publicly claim victimhood and seek to be labeled by others as victims? That's the question the researchers propose. Why do you think that is? Furthermore, why do you think someone would be willing to claim victimhood if otherwise victimhood is a diminishing thing that makes you less than somebody else? You are the victim of some oppressive action, oppressive force, oppressive idea. You are categorized by the position that you are in, discriminated against. Why would someone place themselves into that position? Well, doing so artificially and suffering none of the consequences of becoming an actual victim gives you moral superiority. If you place yourself into a degraded position, into a socially lowered position as a victim, you are claiming that because you are a victim, you deserve the recognition and the superiority of a moral variety because as a victim, you know what it's like to be oppressed. And so you can use that victimhood, use that oppression, use that coupled with virtue signaling that you are those things and that you are a good person, that you stand up for the innocent in order to maintain that moral superiority to obtain that recognition, and it's all done through the lack of empathy and psychopathic, narcissistic, Machiavellian tendencies as indicated through the dark triad of personalities related to the signaling of virtuous victimhood as indicators of this type of psychopathic, sociopathic, narcissistic behavior. Communicating their victimization experiences publicly may connect them with others who have had similar experiences and who can provide them with social validation and support. And that may be justifiable for some people. Victim claiming can also allow them to justify a demand for redress, regain a sense of power, and restore their diminished self-worth. Notwithstanding these benefits, we propose in the study that claiming victim status an act we refer to as victim signaling, 
also allows victims to pursue an environmental resource extraction strategy that helps them survive, flourish, and achieve their goals in situations that are responsive to their claims. By resource extraction, we mean that resources are transferred from either individuals or larger institutions, the state, organization, etc., to the person who signals victimhood, i.e., outside of this study, things like reparations, affirmative action, social handouts, government goodies. There are many resources that can be transferred to someone claiming victim status, and so we use the term resource broadly to refer to any material, money, jobs, access to education, and or symbolic respect, tolerance, compassion, assets that one party possesses and that another party wants to acquire. Here are their arguments. First, the spreading of egalitarian values in the West leads many people to perceive any differential outcomes as evidence of overstratification. Hence, they conclude that status differences between individuals and groups in society that are associated with these outcomes are illegitimate. People who signal victimhood because they perceive themselves as being deprived of what others possess or are treated in a way that others are not can therefore find a receptive audience among many who detect their signal. In other words, like in the Soviet Union or Communist China, the cadres would come to the villages. When the Red Guards would come into your town, you find people that are disgruntled. You find people that are upset, that are greedy, that are jealous, that are sinful in the classical, traditional, biblical sense. And you use these people who are typically victims of their own lack of initiative, their own lack of responsibility, and you give them purpose. Their purpose is to tear down and victimize those they believe are responsible for their lack of initiative and their lack of responsibility. And you give them absolute authority to rape, steal, murder, etc., etc., etc. In Russia, in China, they targeted landlords, but they also targeted little old ladies who wanted to make crafts. If you wanted to make clothing or necklaces, you couldn't do that. That was a capitalist enterprise. And the bottom scum of society or the general population who believed it was better to acquiesce to the system took on this rabid ideological cult mindset and would kill. Even children would kill because they had been brainwashed and conditioned. And a psychologist such as Jordan Peterson point out, this is not a comfortable thing to consider. Jordan Peterson is famous for his, his statements. I've heard him mention it many times on different shows and in different interviews, different videos. And what he teaches in his class is that if you were in Nazi Germany in the 1940s and you were given the opportunity to be a camp guard at Auschwitz or any camp, it's likely you would have jumped at the idea. And it's not a comfortable thing to think, to consider that you 
would likely be a Nazi if you lived in Germany during this time. You would likely have been one of those social detractors that would become a red guard, that that would become part of the power structure thinking that that gave you some authority when all it does is further eliminate your authority as a sovereign individual, a sovereign human being. It's not, very, it's not a very good feeling. And we see this pattern repeating today. The study goes on to say, second, the alleviation of human suffering is treated as a paramount value in Western societies. And we have this feeling, this desire, this instinct to help other people, and that is exploited by zealots. It's exploited by ideology. It's exploited by corruption. To take something pure in human nature, the desire, the need to help other people, and to invert it, to distort it, so that other people become the victims. And while you're assaulting these people intellectually and assaulting them politically and assaulting them socially and assaulting them economically and in all other ways, you are simultaneously, contradictorily claiming that you are helping them, that you are there to alleviate the oppression. This is the classical idea of double-think or double-speak. I'm helping you as you rob the person. I'm helping you as you assault the person. I'm helping you. I'm liberating you by raping you, torturing you, burning down your house. And in the process, you create real victims of the oppressive nature that you have become ingrained within. The, 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 the psychological zealous behavior is not victimhood. You become an oppressor to oppress other people in the name of moral superiority, in the name of the need for recognition through the lack of empathy and the severe mental lacking of reason and logic and common sense and human decency that you either lack and therefore are a socio-psychopath, a narcissist. You share in this dark triad of personality traits, including Machiavellianism, or like most people, you have this conditioned state of mind through a process of indoctrination, through, through theories and ideologies that are sown and cultivated in the mind. A lot of this is done through university. Sometimes the victim signalers also receive material or economic support from these parties. We define victim signaling as a public and intentional expression of one's disadvantages, suffering, oppression, or personal limitations. We further suggest that victim signaling is maximally effective at initiating resource transfers when it is coupled with virtue signaling. Defined as symbolic demonstrations that can lead observers to make favorable interferences about the signaler's moral character. And a lot of this is just part of the postmodern ideological cult. And let me give you a really good example of how this transpires, of how this goes down. Last month, early, there's a school in Atlanta. That had a complaint filed against it for segregating students. At the same time, a crowdfunding campaign 
was reported on by NBC News. A crowdfunding campaign that had been started years ago, and there are so many others now, that they're collecting money to give to black people and to trans people as a form of quote-unquote reparations. We're going to talk about what that means when we come back from break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Stay with us. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence, but... I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable, five nights a week on The Fringe FM. And join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's thesecretteachings.info and The Fringe FM. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. Hey there, I'm Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings, and like my show, I like to associate with people and companies who are passionate about taking steps to a healthier life. Pro One Water Filters brings you simple-to-use systems for the home, business, and even the shower. They filter fluoride, heavy metals, and more, and their shower heads stop chlorine from being vaporized and inhaled. I've personally used their systems now for five years, and they're worth every penny sincerely. Our other affiliate, US Plus Health, is a small American company specializing in hydrogen peroxide solutions, isopropyl alcohol, and hand sanitizers with no additional ingredients like ethanol, chloride, or methanol. They use 100% U.S. materials at an FDA-registered facility. Their simple, non-toxic formulations are both safe and gentle. They evaporate quickly and leave no residue or stickiness. They're even recommended by the CDC, FDA, and WHO as opposed to other toxic chemicals like QACs. Find links to these affiliates, Pro One Water Filters, and U.S. Plus Health on our website, www.thesecretteachings.info for links, or visit usplushealth.com and type in the promo code TSTCLEAN. They all say the same thing. They're all like, you know, over the last four years, everything good that happened was because of us. And we would have done more good stuff if it wasn't for those guys. And then the Democrats go, oh, we did all the good stuff. <laughs> like you're all working for the same guy. Want more of The Fringe? Check out thefringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows. Also, don't forget to check out the Fringe mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal Radio app and talk stream live. Where the normal and paranormal collide, it's the Fringe FM. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, the Fringe FM. This is The Secret Teachings. 
If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. I'm Clyde Lewis from Ground Zero Radio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. If you want the most unique blend of subjects anywhere on radio, from parapsychology, pop conspiracy, parapolitics, the paranormal, and symbolism, look no further than The Secret Teachings, airing Monday through Friday right here on The Fringe FM. Our topics, themes, and perspectives are not bogged down by rhetoric or ideological collective associations. It's just raw thought and consciousness. Check us out by visiting our website at thesecretteachings.info or the network fringe.fm. This is John B. Wells of Caravan to Midnight, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Gentlemen, thank you so much for the great work that you guys are doing. Uh, phenomenal show, for phenomenal interview, phenomenal questions, and uh, I'd be willing to come back at any time and uh, explore other topics for discussion, so thank you for having me on today. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Passio from WhatOnEarthIsHappening.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. We like things simple, so a simple explanation is a good explanation unless it's too simple, but distinguishing between simple and too simple is no easy matter. We like to know who's our friend and who's our enemy, and we like the feeling of unearned moral superiority. I mean, there's deeper and darker things that are underneath that. It's like the, the human proclivity to pull down those who have more than you. It's like these kids on the campuses who are claiming identity with the oppressed, or somewhere like Yale. It's like, how in the world you can speak of oppression if you happen to be at Yale is beyond me. I mean, first of all, you're North American, which puts you in the top 1%. And then of North Americans, you're in the top 1%. So you're in the top 1% of 1%. But yet you you want that. You want to have all the power that goes along with that. And you want to have the moral superiority that comes from being a, a representative of the oppressed. So that's exactly what you want. You want all the power and you want all the victimization at the same time. The enhancement of a sense of victimization on the part of one of the groups, usually the group that's going to commit the genocide, first of all, their sense of being victims is much heightened by the demagogues who are trying to stir up this sort of hatred. So they basically say, look, you've been oppressed in a variety of ways, and these are the people who did it, and they're not going to stop doing it, and this time we're going to get them before they get us. And you can't divide the world neatly into perpetrators and victims, and you certainly can't divide the world neatly into perpetrators and victims, and then assume that you're only in the victim class, and then assume that that gives you certain forms of redress let's say. It gets dangerous very rapidly if you do that sort of thing. Marxist class warfare. Obtaining the social identification of moral superiority through victimization of self is easily classifiable through the lack of empathy, the need for recognition by virtue signaling, the dark triad of personality traits including narcissism, psychopathy, and Machiavellianism, and the oppressing of individuals or groups in an attempt to, stra- in an attempt to extract environmental and social and economic resources. The clinical definition of such behavior is TIV, Tendency for Interpersonal Victimhood. Socially and culturally, it is exacerbated by postmodernism and collectivized ideological zealous behavior, dominated by the postmodern view that emotions are more important than facts, by the Marxist view that The individual is always oppressed by the collective society. 
even if that collective society is made up of individuals, even if those individuals generally agree on a refined social construct, social contract, and social structure, Marxist ideology asserts that there should always be revolution, that nothing should ever be stagnant in the sense that the authorities, as is defined by postmodernism, that any form, any kind of normal, any kind of majority is always evil, is always burgoy, is always in need of being overthrown. It's clearly a different idea than the need for generational revolution or the reassessing of the previous generation's ideas and ideologies that speaks nothing to class, civil, racial, ethnic, national, religious warfare. Postmodernism is based on the idea of skepticism of all things, subjectivism, relativism, and a suspicion of reason and logic. In other words, suspicion of God, suspicion of higher authority, suspicion of those things that are considered reasonable, those things that are considered good to be desired by the whole of mankind. We all have desires, food, water, shelter, social connection, sexual intimacy. We have desires as well, desires that in the Edenic sense can be like that serpent on the tree tempting us. But this is the point of life to overcome those temptations, to slay the animal nature and the animal desires, and to obtain once more connection with source and or, however you determine this definition or classification, God, however you define it. When we disconnect from spirit and immerse ourselves in physicality, we are eternally damned. When we disconnect from the environment around us and insert ourselves into a digital subreality, we disconnect from source, from God, and are eternally damned, especially if one wishes to extend the physical life beyond comprehension, beyond reason, beyond logic, beyond what is natural, the dark arts, if you will. These are all things that are, are, are part of the, the battlefield of the mind. It's all part of the, of the psychological and the spiritual and the emotional mechanisms of human existence. And just like advertisers and marketers understand, generally speaking, how the mind works and can tweak and manipulate images and videos and words to obtain your energy, your resources, your currency, your money. Some people are able to use that, whether they're aware of it or not. I feel as if most are unaware. Most have been rewired and reprogrammed at university and through social media and through mainstream media. Others are fully aware of what they're doing, and that is they are obtaining 
a form of morally superior social identification through victimization of self, lack of empathy, and the need for recognition through virtue signaling, and furthermore, as confirmed by the dark triad of personality traits, Machiavellianism, psychopathic behavior, narcissism, I'd add in sociopathic behavior, slightly different than psychopathy, and the oppressing of individuals in the process of claiming that you are oppressed to obtain the recognition to maintain the moral superiority. Again, the clinical definition of this is TIV, Tendency for Interpersonal Victimhood. Socially and culturally, it's exacerbated by postmodernism or postmodern queer theory or Marxist ideological cult hive mind delusion. I mentioned this article from the University of British Columbia, published the American Psychological Association, the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. They talk about victim signalers receiving material or economic support for their victimhood. They say, we define victim signaling as a public and intentional expression of one's disadvantages, suffering, oppression, and personal limitations. We further suggest that victim signaling is maximally effective at initiating resource transfer when it is coupled with virtue signaling, defined as a symbolic demonstration that can lead observers to make favorable interferences about the signaler's moral character. In other words, your victim... You deserve to be paid. You are a self-entitled person who believes because of the color of your skin or your religious views or your political views, perhaps more than any other, you deserve to be compensated by others who look different than you under the assumption and the assertion and the absurdity and the egregious notion That because other people have a different color skin or different genitalia or a different belief or a different political letter on their voting card, that they owe you something. A racist, sexist, bigoted, biased, discriminatory, and harassing ideology. A zealous, emotional ideology to perpetuate on other people who are otherwise innocent until proven guilty through due process of law, not in the public opinion of some ideological cult. And this whole idea is really exemplified in the groups of people that are claiming they speak for immunocompromised people, for little tiny people, children, that they speak for people with black or brown skin, that they speak for people who have gender dysphoria, that they speak for people who are female, that they speak for people who have different religious views or whatever it might be. And you tend to find that a majority of these people that act this way are of a certain political persuasion one which I maintain has been hijacked aggressively and violently, and they are uh, usually of a certain psychological persuasion that is defined as being part or exemplified by the dark triad of personality, narcissistic, psychopathic, Machiavellianism, believing they are morally superiority because they have a, a, a letter on their voting card or, or they have a, a certain viewpoint on a political issue. 
And, and what, what does all of this do? It, it creates victim classes. It creates the very thing that you claim you are fighting against. To suggest to a black man or a black woman, and yes, perhaps I have no place to speak on the subject, I can't imagine that any reasonable, rational human being, whether your skin is black, brown, white, or some other color, maybe it's Michael Jackson, somewhere in the middle, wherever you are in the Crayola color will, that to suggest that you are inherently oppressed can be a good feeling to have. And it's not a good feeling to have if you buy into it, because it means that you're not responsible for your actions. It means that you are owed something by other people. In other words, you are deserving of something. You are self-deserving of something you did not earn. Now, how many people actually feel like that? Some. I don't really think there's a lot of people. I think it's perceptually a lot of people because of the attention we focus on it. But as a, as a person with a different color skin, how does that make you feel? Perhaps I can't speak on the subject of being brown or black, but I can speak on the subject of having skin that is lighter and being assumed that I'm a racist, bigot, white supremacist, or a Republican, or some other classification or identification, Christian, etc., as if these are bad things or morally reprehensible things based on the color of my skin. It doesn't matter if genetically my ancestry mixed with English and German is Native American, Navajo, and Blackfoot. It doesn't matter if I have very close genetics to recent relatives who have a lot of Native American genetic and ancestry within their, their, their genome and DNA. I mean, I mean, that doesn't matter. But the idea and the word genetic is very important here. It means that because you look a certain way, you either fit into category A, B, or C. You fit into a category of being an oppressor, and you take that oppression on, and you constantly apologize, and you kneel down and kiss the boot, and you give money for reparations, and you do what you're told. You become a slave to an ideology, or you become the oppressed, depending on the color of your skin, or whatever it might be. And you demand the kneeling down and the kissing of the feet. You demand the reparations. You take no responsibility. You believe you are self-deserving because you were born. People owe you something. You are self-entitled. Or you exist in that fringe group where you make a decent argument against both of these absurd classifications and because nobody can debate it reasonably, and if you assert it long enough, your opinion not only doesn't matter, you don't exist now as a human being, which is also part of of the classification system when you express an opinion that is different than those who have a zealous ideology to defend in a rabid emotional state where you can't even talk to that person they don't even consider you to be a human being anymore which is one of the one of the most degrading despicable egregious disgusting gross discriminating, harassing statements, assertions, and implications that you could make against another living creature, human or animal or mineral or plant. 
I don't consider that person to be a human being because they don't agree with me. You are a bigot of the most horrible and disgusting type. But you are still a human being. You are still a person. And decent people have conversations and share in civil discourse. So we allow you to be part of the social conversation despite the fact that you use our openness to destroy us. Open communication and civil dialogue and debate is important because it allows us to identify who's the crazy person. Who's the person who's trying to divide us? Once we can identify that, then we can take a step forward in cutting that cancerous tumor out of the conversation that wishes to distract, that wishes to divide, that wishes to create separation and oppression. But going back to the idea of, you know, I don't know what it's like to have brown or darker skin, but I do know what it's like to have white skin, and I'm discriminated against constantly because I have white skin. People make assertions and assumptions about me all the time because I have white skin. But that doesn't matter to me. That doesn't make me a victim. I don't care. I laugh at it. And the people that make those claims, they end up quitting the jobs because they know they're wrong. They know they're lying. They know that they were caught on video in one case. I've told these stories before. There's no point in telling them today. But I'll tell you this. I think it assumes, it asserts, it implies that because of the color of your skin, not only are you self-entitled, you don't have to take any responsibility. Things that, yeah, that sounds great. Other people are responsible for your hardships. The bottom line is it keeps you in a state of servitude because now, since you're not responsible, you are self-deserving. You take no responsibility. You're no longer productive, and you believe everybody owes you something so you don't have to go out and earn anything. Talk about keeping the black man down. Talk about keeping the minority man or woman down. That's all this ideology does. NBC News reported last month, crowdfunding campaigns start their own form of reparations in lieu of a federal push. The group is one of a small cohort that has popped up in recent years that are using social media to crowdsource funds to distribute to black people and calling these efforts a form of reparation. This definition here in and of itself is incredibly discriminatory and racist, is it not? We're going to collect money for black people because black people have been victims. Oh, really? The black person who went to school, who became a doctor, who became a lawyer, who became a teacher, the black person who had more opportunity in the United States of America than they'd have in almost any other country in the world, in some countries, in some cases, combined? That black person? That person with brown or dark skin is oppressed? That person who has all the opportunity in the world is oppressed? What a horrible, racist thing to imply. The article continues, especially through the pandemic and the racial justice movement, efforts like Reparations Roundtable have been expanding and now can process thousands of dollars a month. I bet they can, and I bet they go into big, fat bank accounts. Such groups coordinate dozens of volunteers and boards of directors, and one has registered as a nonprofit. Specifically through education and outreach on social media, organizers are trying to make reparations something that everyone can participate in, particularly white people who have disposable income or inherited wealth. You've got disposable income, white people. Cough it up. Most of the people are in crisis, although payments also go to new mothers, arrested people, and students struggling in uh, you know, an effort to afford higher education, for example. Maybe this is a good thing in some way. But, you know, not everybody who's arrested are arrested on discriminatory charges unless the discrimination is based on committing a crime, counterfeiting a bill, for example, resisting arrest, for example, running from police, for example, having 
possession of illegal drugs or firearms, although we can have an argument about what that what constitutes that. But th- these are criminal offenses, some misdemeanors, some felonies, depending on how many times you committed the crime. And if a certain group of people is committing that crime more often than another group of people, perhaps that group of people is going to be in prison at a higher rate than other people. Or perhaps you're in California where Kamala Harris just put you in prison for a longer sentence, a longer period of time if you're black. And perhaps you got out of prison with a second chance if President Donald Trump, the horrible racist, signed a law to allow you to leave the prison, despite the fact that Joe Biden in the 90s wrote, you know, the bill to put black folks in prison longer. These groups have adapted grassroots organizing techniques to give cash, pay bail, and cover rent for black people, in most cases prioritizing black trans people. Well, they probably have like five cases of that. You know, trans people are predominantly 90% white, upper-middle-class girls. White, upper-middle-class liberal families. White, upper-middle-class liberal families. That is at 90%. That's the statistic. 90%. The remaining 10% are composed of or comprised of less than 1% of the entire national population, less than 1% of the global population, roughly. The UK and US, it's less than 1%. So that remaining 10% is is part of the, the less than 1%. And virtually all of those people are being encouraged through psychologists to undergo hormonal therapy and surgeries things that not only damage you physically but damage the mind, actually prevent your mind at a young age from developing, your brain from developing specifically, and also inhibit your ability to have children later in life. Sounds like eugenics to me. This group is taking money. This group on Facebook, Reparations Roundtable, taking money. It's a private group with people from across the country. Donors commit $25 a month and... They must pledge to, quote, fight white supremacy. It's interesting. They're going to fight white supremacy. You know, historically, I remember that it was, although we typically say the Democratic Party was responsible for Brown versus the Board of Education and the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965 and the Fair Housing Bill of 1968. But really, desegregation and anti-discrimination laws relied on the notion that blacks weren't slaves anymore, which was a freedom secured indefinitely by the 13th Amendment. The Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Fair Housing Bill of 1968 were based on the 14th Amendment, which granted equal rights under the law and black citizenship. Voting Rights Act of 1965 gave blacks the right they already had under the 15th Amendment. All three of these amendments were passed by the traditional Republican Party. Natural rights and liberties otherwise were granted by God, nature, etc. to all at birth. In the Declaration of Independence and in the Constitution. The Declaration of Independence and Constitution were only read by people who wanted to maintain slavery in a way that they supported. Including, as Abraham Lincoln said on July 4th of 1861... In the South, in slave-owning places, the leadership removed the words, all men are created equal, removed the words, we the people, to create their own declaration, their own constitution that did not include black people, that did not include their property. The 13th, 14th, and 15th amendments were all passed by the Republican Party, almost exclusively. And you do know that the Freedmen's Bureau attempted to settle blacks on plantations taken by Union troops, but at the time, President... 
Andrew Johnson issued pardons to void this form of reparations. So the GOP at the time appointed military governors in the South that had power to override local authorities. And as a result, around 1,500 blacks won federal, state, and local elections. This included Blanche Bruce, a Republican, the first black senator from Mississippi to serve a full term. He was, only the, uh, he was the only former slave to serve in the U.S. Senate. After having been born into slavery and freed, he studied at Oberlin College and became a farmer and land owner. Should I remind you of Frederick Douglass, one of the most prolific writers, a, a, a freed man, a former slave, a, a person whose statue here in Rochester, New York, was ripped to the ground by violent Marxist extremists in the name of equality and equity and racial justice? My God, these kids need to take a history class that isn't steeped in Confucius Institute, anti-American Marxist garbage. Maybe you've heard this audio before, but I think this really sums it up. Another parent destroying critical race theory. You talk about critical race theory, which is pretty much going to be teaching kids how to hate each other, how to dislike each other. That's pretty much what it's going to, that's pretty much, I don't care what say, it's pretty much what it's going to all come down to. You're going to deliberately teach kids, this white kid right here got it better than you because he white? You're going to personally tell a white kid, oh, the black people are all down and suppressed. How do I have two medical degrees if I'm sitting here oppressed? How do I get, first of all, No mom, no dad in the house. Work my way through college. Sat there and hustle my butt off to get through college. You gonna tell me somebody that looked like all y'all white folks kept me from doing that? Are you serious? Not one white person ever came to me and said, well, son, you're never going to be able to get nowhere because you know the black people. But guess what? What's sickening about this whole thing is what y'all doing right now is already something I do in my community right now to speak out against stuff because black folks are getting told by other black folks, oh, you know you ain't going to be able to do nothing out there in the world because them white folks ain't going to let you get nowhere. Oh, you know you're not going to be able to do it here because you know, them white, the, the white man, the white man going to keep you down. Well, how did I get where I am right now if some white man kept me down? How am I now directing over folks that look just like you guys in this room right now? How? What, what, what kept me down? What oppressed me? I work for myself from off the streets to where I am right now. You gonna sit here and tell me this lie of critical race theory? Of uh, this, this, this the reason why black folks can't get ahead because of white folks? Are you kidding me? This is what we come to now. I can't believe we're even talking about this right now. The last thing I'm gonna say right here is something that's crazy. Martin Luther King said he wanted his kids to grow up in a world where they are judged by the contents of their what? Not the color of their skin. If they let this stuff go on right now, it is absolutely doing the complete reverse of what he's doing. So when February comes, don't talk about Martin Luther King. When February comes, don't talk about black kids. The mother dog will sit there and just pee pee on his grave with this nonsense. That's exactly what's about to happen. Lastly, we are talking about our kids. We are talking about our children. What's so sickening about me, I love the Discovery Channel. You will see that on Discovery Channel, animals will put their lives on the line to protect their children. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Thank you all for joining us this evening. Social identification of moral superiority through victimization of self is classified through the lack of empathy, the need for recognition through virtue signaling, which compounds the important effect, the desired effect of that social identification, the dark triad of personality, and the oppressing of individuals or groups in an attempt to extract environmental, social, or and, and or economic resources. The clinical definition of this behavior is TIV. Socially and culturally, it's exacerbated by postmodernism lack of responsibility, and the desire to be an entitled victim. I'm Ryan Gable again. This is The Secret Teachings. Please subscribe to the broadcast at thesecretteachings.info. Buy a book. Support the show, please, if you want to continue to hear more of this Monday through Friday. The best of's on Friday right here on The Fringe. Also, check out the archive 
on our website, and I'll be doing that one-hour show on Aftermath, Saturday mornings, 9 a.m. Pacific time. rdgable at yahoo.com is the email. If you have any questions, that's rdgable at yahoo.com. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy, don't be a victim, and we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. Time's up. Time may be up for tonight's broadcast of The Secret Teachings, but don't worry, you can still catch us Monday through Friday right here exclusively on The Fringe FM. You can also subscribe to the show and montage archive while grabbing my books at thesecretteachings.info. To get in contact with us, you can email the show at rdgable at yahoo.com. Stay tuned to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.